Hello, Shane Coleman here and welcome to the Top 5 Books podcast where we ask well-known people for their top five books of all time. And I'm delighted to say we're joined this morning by the actor Mary McAvoy. Mary, how's it going? Thanks for coming in to us. Thank you, Shane. It's nice to see you again. Reading, is it something you're passionate about? I've always been a, a really passionate reader and... But I don't know whether it's fortunately or unfortunately, because I've been so, well, it's fortunately, obviously, being so busy. I do a lot of touring and I have discovered audiobooks, which I don't know whether the, what the intellectual take on ah, audiobooks. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, because I spend an inordinate amount of time in my car, mm. an inordinate amount of time in my car, like a four hour journey is nothing to me, do you know. So I have a very vast, extensive, a very extensive library of audiobooks, which I listen to. Mm. And it's really good because I'm actually, I'm a lazy reader. You know, I'm a lazy, like if you give me something with incredibly complex prose, I'll probably go, nah, not that I don't want to read, but I just, the attention span isn't there. But I listen to it and I love it. And and actually, I prefer to listen to intellectual tomes rather than anything else because they sound so beautiful. Yeah. You know. Okay. And just before we go to your choices, I'm just wondering, as a as an actor, I mean, you have to read for parts, and mm. you, I presume you have to, you do a lot of reading as part mm. of your work. Does that put you off? Like when you when you come home after after that, is it kind of a, oh, you know what? I think I'll just watch a film rather than read a book. No, I mean, I I do both. I tend my most of my reading is done just before I go to sleep, which is I suppose what takes me so long to get through a book, but because I just don't have the time and I don't have, mm. I'm constant constant motion all the time. So, and then. The very rare days when there would be a duvet day, you know, it'll be something like Asterix the Gaul I'll pick up, which we will talk about later on. Yeah, well, let's let's get to Asterix okay. the Gaul because that's your first choice yeah, of your favourite books. Yeah. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. I have loved Asterix. I came to Asterix as an adult. I didn't, he wasn't uh, in any way a part of my childhood. And in mm. fact, he didn't come along until I was well into adulthood. And I remember reading Asterix and the Mansions of the Gods, I think it was. And I just, it was so witty. So basically it's about a little Gaulish warrior and his mate Obelix. And they live in this village in the north of France, Gaul, which is holding out against the Romans. And it's just their lives. And it's this funny little village. And the reason they're holding out against the Romans is because they have a magic potion which gives them superhuman strength. And so anytime the Romans attack, and all the Roman soldiers, none of them want to go near this little Gaulish village because they know they're going to get the crap beaten out of them. And there's full of really funny characters like the Druid is called Getafix and the chief of the village is called Vital Statistics because Ix was a, in the language, meant king. So there's a lot of Ixes and there's Getafix and the bard called Cacophonics who can't sing or can't play and it gets thumped every time he tries to start. And uh, the actual stories are very witty. They're full of history. Mm. But they're also, the cartoons are, Uderzo I think is the cartoonist. I can never remember which. It's Uderzo and Gozini. I think Uderzo was the, was the cartoonist. And they're just this extreme wit. It's just, you know, a child can read it and just enjoy the funny yeah. little man who can beat up yeah. big people. Or an adult can read it and see that kind of, there's quite a sophisticated wit behind it. It's a kind of a quirky humour in that kind of Belgian, Stoke French kind of humour. It is quite a quirky sense. Yeah, it is. And it it comes again out of that sort of tradition that they have in in that part of the world. And obviously Charlie Hebdo and all of that came out of that kind of tradition of great cartoonists. And they have a very particular sense of visual humour too, which comes out in the books, you know. And also, it's the incredible detail in the drawings. You you know, when you have a page of a comic book and maybe one drawing can take up half a page and there will be the Gauls yet again beating up the Roman soldiers. There'll be an aside from a Roman soldier here on the left and there'll be a little bird going, "Uh, I'm out of here. 
on the right. Mm. And you, you go back to, you know, go back again and again, you see little little bits of wit. And I must say, there's an awful lot of people that I never expected to like Asterix, who are serious people. I have, yeah. I have a, a sort of a relation by marriage who is a, a formidable geologist and he's a serious fan of Ast- okay. Asterix. So he's my duvet day. Okay. Brilliant. Uh, I think it's uh, 325 mm. million copies. Oh, yeah. This is yeah. extraordinarily successful. And just, there's one, like Asterix in Egypt, they get the names or they're all puns, you know. So in Egypt, you know, Ptolemy, you have the PT. So in, in Egypt, one of the main characters when they went to Egypt was Ptenisnet. Oh. <laughs> So all that kind of, and the, all the, yeah. you know, the Romans names all end in us, you know, like, so Centurion Christmas bonus and really, really funny. Very clever. Very funny. Is humour a, a thing you look for in books generally or is it just in this particular case? No, it's not something I, I use. And actually, I suppose equally I could have put in with Asterix, but I just thought he was a more unusual choice would be Woodhouse, P.G. Woodhouse. Okay. Whom I can take a paragraph and just giggle and giggle and giggle and giggle. That kind of humour, yes. That kind of straightforward, honest, buffoon humour yeah. I enjoy in, okay. in, in books. Okay, give us your next choice. Well, my next one, I think, is The Lord of the Rings, of course. Another fantasy, not Epic. real. Guess yeah. where we're going with this. Uh, Lord of the Rings, I read Lord of the Rings when I was about 18. I proceeded then to read it five times. Really? Right through on the track. It's a big book. But I remember reading it. I was living in a little flat in Whitworth Road in Drumcondra. And I started reading it. And it was like reading it and thinking, if the perfect book, if I could write or find or invent the perfect book, this is it, in terms of imagination, in terms of the fantasy world. And finally, I don't like the genre very much. I don't like swords and sorcery very much. And I don't like sci-fi. They're not genres I go for. Yeah. It's not sci-fi, but it's that kind of fant- yeah, fantasy, yeah. I should say, yeah. rather than sci-fi. But this is rooted, it's, you know, it's rooted in a place called Middle Earth. So, I mean, I'm, most people have seen the films, you know. Mm. So being rooted in a place that's got the word earth in it and everything is within reality, except for there are magical creatures but that are in our folklore already so you can go with it because it's it's like a reinvention of our folklore it's Icelandic folklore Nordic folklore in particular What do you think of the, of the writing because I mean it's from a very much a different era yeah. it was written in the 1930s and 40s yeah. I think does it hold up today? In some places it does in other places I funnily enough I got the audio version of it it's in three as the films are mm. so the first book The Fellowship of the Ring is great because you're still in the world of the hobbits, which is very much our world. It's very much the ordinary, everyday world. Um, And you start slowly but surely as they journey south towards this awful place, Mordor, the thing becomes a, a more huge story. And I loved the writing in that because, again, it's ordinary. But it's the descriptions of places and journeys more than anything else. It's the wonderful atmosphere he creates of a country, you know, then you get into, you know, when you go into Gondor and where it becomes a more noble, shall we say, places, it does go a little bit into thus spake, you know, yeah. and and, that, and that's fine because within the tradition of storytelling and, and yeah. particularly Nordic storytelling, that was OK. But I still loved it. But wait till I tell you, didn't I, didn't, didn't I get the audio book? And do you know what they did? They edited out The Ring. Really? The Ring. It's not in the audio book. And I rang them up. kind of like Hamlet without the prince or something? It's like, it's like, it's like, I was going to say it's like Christianity without Christ. I mean, literally because the ring is the spiritual centre of the whole thing. But um, I rang them in in audible.co.uk and I said, "Um, you edited out the ring. They'd never obviously read the the, book. And I could, you know, I could, do you 
you realise what you can't charge people for this? And they said, oh, we'll give you a credit. And I'm going, no, but yeah. you're kind of missing the point. You're kind of yeah. missing the point here. You know, I couldn't believe how they, I mean, you could be forgiven if they 